What's up and welcome to Champions of Lore, a show about all the kick-ass stories behind some of Idle Champions' coolest campaigns and characters. Every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on twitch.tv slash Games or later on your favorite podcast service, B. Dave Walters and Aaron M. Evans talk about all the Idle Champions lore that's fun to know about. If you're here with us live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show. Uh, but before we get to that, Aaron, B. Dave, take it away. Hi, I'm Aaron M. Evans. I am the author of the Brimstone Angels Saga, a six-book series set in the Forgotten Realms featuring three of your favorite idol champions, champions, uh, Farida, Havilar, and Mahen. Uh, I'm also a content designer <laughs> for idol champions, and I play Cecilia on Dungeon Scrollers. Yo, all heads hoist the colors high. All right, I'm not not gonna get us defunded. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm just gonna say, heave ho, thieves and beggars. (laughs) Uh, We shall never die. Uh, Yeah, B. Dave Walters. I do that uh, all over the place. Again, uh, I can not ironically say I'm TV's B. Dave Walters uh, from the. Invitation to party on G4, uh, the Black Dice Society. We have our holiday special tomorrow night uh, on the Watsi uh, Twitch and YouTube at 4 p.m. Pacific. Um, and uh, just anywhere I can be uh, around Aaron and Trevor. That's it. <laughs> yeah, this is our this is our last time for the year. Woo! Man. Oh, did our last year. writing about dragons and shit last night? We're doing our last Champions Lore today. I'm sad. I'm not gonna hang up with my friends. <laughs> but yeah, this, this is uh, this is more of a, a relaxed episode. It is our last episode for the year. We're taking two weeks off, and then we'll be back in January. Um, and we thought, uh, you know, what what would be a fun way to go out on this uh, than talking about the lore of lore? <laughs> lore, lore. lore, lore. It's like Moon Moon. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so relaxed. I'm in my Christmas sweater. I didn't even put product in my hair. I just, just yeah, that's true. woke up like this. Literally hashtag woke up like this. Yeah. Hey, you, you know no what? Deal. You know what, buddy? Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> so. I also definitely woke up like this. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Like I just feel like just like a, like a clamshell opens every morning and you just emerge. Aaron. You know, from the foam of the sea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, um, uh, but no, no, no yeah, please. Yeah. So, so when we say lore of lore, we're essentially talking about like imp- not just implementing lore, but like coming up with lore and stuff like that. Because like there is, as you've seen with fifty six previous episodes, there's a lot of lore in D anD. d Um, and that all had to come from somewhere. Ed Greenwood. So, <laughs> Greenwood. It's just Ed Greenwood. He's in a back room at Watsy, just yeah. typing away. Just, there it is. Yeah, but still, like, but still, like, on a mechanical typewriter. Like, they don't, they don't let him have a keyboard. You know what I mean? It's just like. You just hear the sound from the outside. What's in there? Wizards. Literally, a wizard did it. Yeah. So I, I thought it would be kind of fun to, to first part of this uh actually kind of end up doing like a writing about dragons and shit episode where we're just talking about like wh- when you want to like if you're sitting down and you're homebrewing your own thing mm-hmm. how do you just go about making some lore i mean you guys have kind of seen us do it a few times here like uh dangle never ender never ember is a treant um yep that uh, Orcus <laughs> is secretly in love with the Raven Queen. Uh, that, um, you know, it's just things that make sense that then you just stick to it consistently. Um, I will say one thing that varies is in D&D, the lore is quote-unquote true, but still changes a bunch. So mm-hmm. it's like, here's what happened, except that's no longer what happened. This other thing happened, and you're just like, oh, okay. Whereas you take something like vampire, where vampires lie. The lore mm-hmm. is never meant to be believed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you you can kind of, you got to establish up front is what kind of story are you telling? Are you telling a story where the past is fixed? Are you telling a story where the past is highly mutable? <laughs> I really do yeah. love the vampire putting that get out of jail free card for themselves. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. You know what happened? Uh, there was like six eyewitnesses and four of them are lying. Yeah, <laughs> right. 
This is a lot of, this is definitely a way that, that lore inconsistencies or shifts sometimes get explained is it's an unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. This is someone's story of this, or this is propaganda. And depending on the factions that you're playing with, that becomes way easier to believe. You know, the fact that there's at least eight different stories of how did Asmodeus come to be? Well, guess what? Propaganda is big in the nine hells. The story is what they tell you it is. Um, and that's what you repeat. That's easy, right? Um, I think, too, you know, there is there is a lot of lore. None of it is required. Um, just what you choose, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to make something while holding on to pieces of that, I think it's fun to find those gaps where it's like, if this is true and this is true, what does that mean for this? Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, or <laughs> just like, really getting them in there with the, the sound If someone says this is true about this thing and someone says that is true about this thing, how can you have both of those be true? I find stuff like that fun. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, 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 no. It's, <laughs> it, uh, I mean, it's still good answers. It's essentially just like if if you were to sit down and try and make your own lore. You already know like, what I'm going to say. I'll, I'll wait for him to sit down. No, I'll take no, longer no, on no, the question. No, no, you already know what I'm going to say, but please continue with your question. <laughs> so yeah the, the the question is like what what do you do when you're, you're sitting down to make some lore but also think about lore that is going to be important that you mm -hmm. that is going to be able to come across in your games because yeah. that's the biggest thing is i mean b dave's going to say not a lot of people are going to want to sit there and listen to your five thousand years of backstory <laughs> you don't need five thousand years of backstory you need what do you need b dave magic words george r. r martin's dead to me wait no the other, the, the other, the other magic words. ah shoot that's also Wrong true show. that's also true um for a thousand generations the jedi were the peacekeepers of the old republic you know that's your that's your inciting incident i think for the yep. most part ideally when you're doing it right these the the lore should be emergent you know um yeah i mean obviously we've spent over a year talking about, you know, the lore and background of things. But those are things that should kind of come out of the story. Like, I yep. mean, don't get me wrong. It's incredibly self-indulgent to cite something I did, but it's not mm -hmm. just something I did. It's something Idol Champions did, which during the Trials of Mount Tiamat, rather than have me, at no point was I like, Tiamat was one of the inciting incidents of reality. She said it, and she said it in the context of being mad. Like, I don't yep. get credit for having helped create everything. Like, what's wrong with you? You wouldn't yep. be here without me. You know? Like, but yep. then that's how you get that in. I very much could have been like, oh, friends, harken back to the dawn of creation when Bahamut and Tiamat's face was on the waves. And everybody's like... Mm. <laughs> um, so yeah no, I, I, that's kind of what i end up like why i love D, D lore and will make up bits and pieces of it for my own stuff is for like what b day was saying right there with tiamat where it's it's something that i can pull on for this character to say in the moment that has weight to it it sounds like it has weight to it like Obi-Wan saying for a thousand generations like that that one sentence put so much weight on what the Jedi were mm -hmm. and it wasn't you know going back and talking about the High Republic or the Null or the Sith or anything like that it was just one sentence that put it in there yeah well, yeah again because I, I yes I draw on this constantly because it's the best example you get so much you're like a thousand generations oh a really long time the Jedi, a really, really yeah, long time. Exactly, you know, were preposterously the long. Time. Yeah, were the peacekeepers? Oh, they're not anymore. Something must have happened to them. The mm -hmm. old republic. What old republic? Is there a new republic? You know, like what do you mean? You know, you you get there's so much narrative density in that one sentence mm -hmm. that the movie then that you're like, well, tell me about it, and it's like, nah, no, we're just gonna go. <laughs> Yeah, you know, apparently apparently a princess needs my help. Also, stormtroopers killed your family. That's bad. Uh, and then you're like, oh, a, a, a galactic fascist empire is in charge that apparently did away with the old Republic and the Jedi. It's implied. And mm -hmm. a Jedi coming back is a good thing because they used to be the peacekeepers. So if you are one now, that means you're going to beat the evil fascist empire. I got it. I got mm -hmm. it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. It's really definitely done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, that. that I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, you no, I'm bouncing into a different direction. So you finish. You're uh, it's, no, please tangent away. I, I was just going. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I was just going to say that. Um, you know, again, it's uh, it's self indulgent to quote myself, but I'm having to go through this with invitation to party, where I have players and an audience that don't know any of these things, but I'm still very much beholden to them. So when mm-hmm. Minter from Moonsilver shows up as one of the Harpers. Well, what's a Harper? You know, yep. we're the secret protectors of Waterdeep. Okay, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. I, I, I could, I could have been like, well, the Harper's. Like, you could have been like, <laughs> yeah. you should pick up Lesser Evils by Aaron M. Evans. Right, that's a good overview. I'm sure everybody wants to read a novel in order to play their game, though. I mean, that's just objectively <laughs> true that you should pick up Lesser Evils by Aaron M. Evans. Available in digital and audiobook. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 just facts. Um, but uh, you know, all of this stuff, like the the uh, getting across, like what the Xanathar Guild is, who Laryl Silverhand is. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I have just a couple of words. Like I described Laryl Silverhand to the cast as as President Wonder Woman. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, so good. I was like, that's who she is. Yeah. You know what I mean? When when you're and wondering actually, how you should interact with her, that's who she is. And you know what? From now on, I will just picture Linda Carter <laughs> as Laurel Silverhand. <laughs> Slap some okay, silver hair it. on her and boom. Hell done. yeah. You know? It's not works, not that, you know? But but they get it. You know? Like, I mean, I could have been like, well, she's a chosen daughter of Mistra. And, I, and they're like, you know, they're like, they're like, what's a Mistra? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I have to... You, you 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 have to serve it in an, enough information that you should understand that this is a, hey she's President Wonder Woman, the Harpers are basically the Jedi, the Xanathar Guild are the mob, you know. And, but mm-hmm. you show them, and I mean again, show don't tell both gets overused and super cliche, and is also still super accurate. You know that yeah. that the the fact that they knew when the Xanathar Guild showed up. They knew all this stuff about them in advance. The City Watch comes towards them and they just are like, hey, back off. And the City Watch do, you know, <laughs> like they've been this scourge to the characters this entire time. These people with a wave of the hand can fix it. And they're like, yeah, there's a lot we can do. Just, st- you know, stay on our good side or we will find you, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like done. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think another thing when you're choosing what lore to include and you're choosing what to add or adapt or remove that that's exactly the kind of thing look at your players ask your think about what your players want um because you know if you're you've got someone and they really want to have you know that experience of being someone who could be a great protector but the the organization that that would suit them has fallen um you could use the harpers you could use a very specific model of harpers right um, and you can choose to say, okay, this is Harper's during sort of the the fourth edition. We've come out of the whaling years. We're trying to pull this organization back together and it's not going great um, versus the, hey, we're all good and we work like this kind of version or the sort of old second edition version where, you know, we're, we're sort of super spies, but we're very, we're a little obvious about it, <laughs> um, but we're fun and bouncy, right? Um, there's there's lots of ways to shift it based on what they want to play with. Um, and I think, too, that maybe being willing to sort of make those adaptations so that you have something that hooks your players is important. And that might mean tweaking things, and it might mean, hey, you should drop in over here where that story fits really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a game once with a player. with We were playing with you know canon obviously you can call things canon forgotten realms but yeah. or everon or whatever like you're starting with that but you're by existing in this world in this game you are changing the canon so yeah. i don't feel too personally i don't feel too tied up in that but you know you start in a place and he didn't really know a lot about the setting and he what he did not want was to be um like well actually you can't do this um kind of thing and mm-hmm. that's no fun yeah. But at the same time, like, he wants to fit into this game. And one of the things we pointed out is, like, that setting is enormous. There is everything in the Forgotten Realm somewhere. So mm-hmm. if you're you're playing in a pre-existing setting and your player says, this is the kind of thing I want, 
you can do that sort of research if you want to stick to the setting and find mm-hmm. the place where that works and kind of help them build into it. Yeah. Or again, you're free to say, okay, guess what? Uh, Earl Kazar doesn't exist. What's there instead is a um, theocratic uh, kingdom of uh, elves and dragonborn that uh, are trying to wage war. But my guy got out. Like, mm-hmm. okay. The the D&D police will not come to your house. Promise. (laughs) I mean, they're really slack on their job. You hear a distant typewriter down the street. Ed Greenwood's just booking it towards you. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the, the haunting call of well, actually, off in the distance. You know? The neckbeard clan of dwarves. Yeah. So, okay. So, that's about kind of implementing it and whatnot but like do you have any suggestions for making it like i i think the question you gotta ask yourself especially because again what would i a mistake i see new creators making again and again when i keep talking about your five thousand years of lore is you feel like you must because everyone else has it's mm-hmm. like well yeah. it's like well, you you What's the story you're trying to tell? To what end? You know, if mm-hmm. you're if you're like, I've got this pantheon of fifty gods. I'm like, well, why? I mean, is 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 this a place where there's fifty weeks out of the year and a different god rules each week of the year and they're physically going to be there and affect the characters? And you're like, oh no, it's you know Artemisia's week. You know what that yeah. means? You know, um, but. <laughs> But it's, Rhiannon's gonna love that. Yeah, yeah. It means everybody has to dress perfectly, right? And the house needs to be in perfect order. Yeah, you're like, and we oh. all love dragons. Exactly. Yes. You know, like, or she will find you. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean? If if that's the world, well, then that's important. Um, if if that's not going to really matter, and if it's not going to really matter, then if you're like, mm, I want this world to be multi-ethnic and multi-spiritual there's 50 gods okay you just said that we know that now you Mm -hmm. walk through the temples and you see the temples of many gods (laughs) okay you know what i mean you've now scratched that itch it's all right you know Mm -hmm. um so so what 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 does the story need and then being agile enough that there's times that um the characters are going to pull on threads. Like I, I was talking to Mercer when he came on Demi Planer with me, that he was like a lot of stuff, especially about like chronology and stuff like that, or chron- no, not chronology, chronothergy, crit- chronology, chronomancy. chronomancy. That I'm like chronology is a real thing. Wait, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, a, a lot of the depth of chronomancy came out of the fact that Liam kept picking at it. You know, that he'd be like this. <laughs> well, he's like, well, why? Because um, of this? And he's like, well, but does that mean this? And he's like, yeah you know like it's it it you know as 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 to to what aaron was saying about what do they want to play if you mention there's 50 gods and somebody's like "Ooh, what are they you know like (laughs) can 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 i can i can i worship one of them you know i want to be a paladin you know what i mean and then now now the 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 theology is is more important i i will also say one last thing and then i'm gonna be done ranting is um when Keith Baker was on uh, writing about dragons and shit with us, one of the points he made that I thought was brilliant and has lived rent-free in my head ever since <laughs> was if you live in a world where there's resurrection magic, then whoever yeah. controls the diamonds controls the world because the diamond dealers now control life and death, you know? So think about in terms of just something that is going to breathe more life into your world, but it's like, what, what what's that? You know, if it's a... Uh, Again, if you if you live in the empire, is is being a soldier a prestigious thing? Or are you a cog in the wheel? You know, mm-hmm. is is it um is it a a dictatorship where the people are resistant to it, like 1984, or is it a dictatorship where everybody's kind of rolling with it, like Brave New World? You yeah. know, like I mean, those things can manifest differently, and then what you need to underpin that will vary. Okay, I'm done talking for now. <laughs> I will say, if you are the kind of person who wants to do all that background stuff, like, um, my best friend is this person, like, when she DMs, she comes in with, like, a binder like this. Here's the thing. So she might say there's 50 gods, and she has them all named, and she has, like, a sense of, like, the history, as much as she wanted to do. 
mm-hmm. but she doesn't push that on us. It, she waits mm-hmm. until someone says something like, I'm really interested in becoming a paladin of somebody, but I want somebody who's a little bit morally flexible. She's like, it's this one or this one, right? She likes being prepared for that stuff, but that's an important part of it is like, this is a thing you're creating with other people. And so, you know, you've, you've got the things that help you run it, help you build the world, but you don't kind of overdo it. You don't oversteer in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a thing. Don't ever feel obligated. Um, if you are that kind of person and you can, you want to do that, like don't feel hamstrung by it. Don't feel obligated to do it. But if it brings you joy, that's fine. Just, you know, understand that doesn't necessarily bring everybody joy. <laughs> They don't, well, don't want to hear the list. <laughs> it'll it'll make you quicker on the draw when they do want to pick mm-hmm. at it, you know, and and, yeah. it, and it will make your your world richer when you can kind of just drop these things in passing. I mean, yeah. again, as we've said many times, if J.R.R. Tolkien wrote the Silmarillion before The Hobbit, none of us would have ever heard of that man. <laughs> <laughs> so true. true. I yeah. think another thing is like when you are building. One of the things I've noticed watching lots of people sort of do game um, like DMing and game building because I've only done a little bit myself um, versus what you do for like a novel, right? The novel needs to bend around the characters that you are creating. If you are DMing, it needs to bend around the characters that are playing, which means other people's choices and actions. So you need hooks that grab onto them and make them do choices, do things, take actions, make choices. Um, You can't, it's not very fun if you do something where it's like, follow these NPCs around. They'll do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that in sort of other people's ideas for games sometimes where they get a little like you want to control it more um, and you center it on those characters you have the control over. And that doesn't work in this medium. That's yeah. over here. That's a novel. Um yeah. I, I, I've said uh, if you're, uh, you know, prepping for a D&D game and you start writing bullet points for things the characters need to do, you're writing a novel. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. That, well, um, well and, and, okay. and I think, again, this one, this was more the old school way. But sometimes, again, new people make this mistake of the DM showing up with the story they're going to tell versus the yeah. story you're telling together. Yeah. You know, that it's like, this is the story of how you all go fight this dragon and die fighting this dragon. And it's like, it may or may not be that story. I mean, we're all about to find out what this story is. Like, you can, it literally is like sailing. You mm-hmm. set out with a destination. You can intend, you can even have checked the weather report. But I mean, the the, the, the winds and the tides are going to do what they do. You know, mm-hmm. hopefully, eventually, you end up at your port of call. But you might end up at the bottom of the briny deep. You know? Or the sad water. The sad water. <laughs> There's always sad Damn water. Sad water. Yeah, man. The, yeah. The, the sad water ended up being significantly more of a scourge than I anticipated <laughs> it was going to be. Same thing. Trials of Mount Tiamat. Not Hoist mm-hmm. the Colors, although I need you to know that Hoist the Colors is now playing on a loop in my head at the mention of all these sailing <laughs> analogies. Yeah. And not only that, the sad water, freaking Averin, the most resistant to the sad water is the one who spent the most time in it. That's somebody right. else would have been dead if they'd had mm-hmm. his roles. Yeah, so right. it's great. Um, yeah, like the uh, taking it to an opposite thing though of like knowing the lore. Like you know, we we say in the shows like it's the, the lore that's fun to know about. Like I know a unnecessarily large amount of Star Wars lore. Girl, same. Yeah, and, and to the point that currently right now I am running a Star Wars RPG for my friends and I do not prep the game ahead of time. I just sit down and go, where you want to go? Nice. And I just like, okay, this works. Here's this. The hyperspace lanes can take you over here, blah, 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 blah. And um, but one of the things that I've been doing that I've done through several of them, I wrote a lot of Star Wars fan fiction when I was a kid. So much fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sometimes pull on that and have inserted characters that I used to write about and updated them for it. And it's just, it's basically just an archive I can have in the back of my head that I can just pull stuff out and throw into the game at any given moment. And that's why I like knowing about Mm -hmm. uh, that lore and whatnot is so that I can do that stuff. I'm getting to the point that I almost can do that with D and D. This, this is uh, where I point out yet again, that a darkened wish began this world of Warcraft fan fiction. Yeah. 
fan fiction pays off, kids. Pays <laughs> off. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my players uh, currently don't know it, but uh, th- there is a uh, thing from my fan fiction they are currently constantly interacting with, and they don't know it, and I love it. And as soon as someone asks, I'm going to be like, you activated my trap card. Get ready to hear about all my fan fiction. Exactly. <laughs> they're, 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 like, they're like, why is this creature from Yoda, Yoda species but a go-go dancer? And you're like, why indeed? Yeah, you're like, take a knee, take a knee. Let me tell you. Let, let's Gather around the fire, children. Exactly. Let me, let, me tell you, let me tell you what 17-year-old Trevor was into. Yeah. God, That's you great. really nailed what I was writing. That. It's like it's like I know you, buddy. Yeah, it's it is, yeah. Um, <laughs> God, dude, I looked out at the chat and I just see Go Goda. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. Yeah. Well done. We're, we're ruining our sync with Will additional claps for you. The, yes. We'll make that the code. Can you make it the code for the podcast? Uh, right you know now. what? I can write it down. Maybe. So, I'm not saying it's gonna be. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah. I'll put it put it down as a possibility. I'm just saying we need some we need some go go to fan art. Also, <laughs> also no, we do not. Oh, no, we, but do. we do. We definitely do. We do. Also, we definitely do. that's how you make lore. You just saw it happen. That's it right there. Happening live. <laughs> we'll do it live. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, go, go, okay. go, go. Now I have now I have to Google it. I'm sure it's out there. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh my goodness. What Jay put it oh god. Jay put a suggestion in the chat. May or in our text doc. Perhaps I will use that one. <laughs> um so I, I, okay. don't, I don't know if the if the internet has both uh, is made me proud or made me disappointed. I'm not sure that. Uh... <laughs> well, as with the uh, internet, constantly both. That's true. Porque yeah. no los dos. Yep. Yeah. Um. So like you we were talking about with like you know you have fifty gods. I, I liked the reasoning for that that you put in there, and that that's kind of the thing that I I always hope for when someone's talking to me about you know their thousand pages of backstory for their D game but it does sometimes feel like it is disconnected like that that these are just separate things that have all been placed into this world and nothing quite connects together um and those are always the, the things for me that i love i love the little cross sections of things where it's just like okay well yeah th- this is the god of happiness sunshine and flowers and they've got this week of the calendar that's theirs and their church you know just goes all out in it but this other church freaking hates them <laughs> just yeah they are the worst but this other church is actually in ties with this mob-like thing that's run by a dragon and they're paying them to mess up it, it, i like i love little things like that you know i think now i'm I, I, I just mentioned that off the top of the dome but i think i'm really gonna have to take on a world where it's there's 50 cool. gods and each god gets a week yeah. Yeah. Especially because if you're like, how many weeks are there in the year? Are there 50 or they're 52 or they're 54? Whoa. Like, what's happened in the weeks that no one's got? Is yeah. The two weeks that shall not be named. Mm-hmm. That's when mm-hmm. they two weeks for fighting and then two weeks for settling out what the next calendar looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, 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 yeah, they, they have a. Uh, they, they, they um, two week God Brawl. Uh, yeah, two share, week shared God ca- brawl. They have to negotiate shared custody. Of the, the, uh, the, the weeks change uh, for the gods, it's their initiative tracker. <laughs> yes. I mean, if you think about it, no reason not. I mean, there's holidays that we're like, you know, Easter is the first Sunday after the first full moon after the equinox. You know what I mean? Like Hanukkah moves. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. why not? Yeah. And imagine imagine how confusing that is, because then if there's a certain time of the year that is like really nice and sunny and everything, but the God of Darkness wins that year and everybody has to stay inside. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's like the most terrifying Groundhog's Day ever. (laughs) That's the name of the story. How did you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, the god of time, god of week. We're just gonna live the same week over the whole year. <laughs> True. It's like, I hope you made it a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guess what you're doing tomorrow? Everything you did today. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. I think too, you get a lot of those um, crossover points when you make sure the world has places for your players to anchor into it. Mm-hmm. And this is something I really appreciate in a D&D game is a way to sort of understand how I fit into it. I'm, I don't, I know a lot of people just like making D&D characters because it's fun to make D&D characters, but I need context. I get really stressed out if I don't understand how my character fits into the world. And if 
the DM doesn't help me do it, I just start throwing down anchors and making up stuff so I mm. know where I stand and how I fit in. Um, but if you help your character, if you help your players do that, or you pick up things they throw down and you build on them, um, that can help you draw them into those things and connect them so that because I think that's a, a big piece of what makes that appealing is that it feels lived in mm, right yes. in the real world things touch and they overlap um mm -hmm. sometimes in fantasy writing you'll especially see like here is country a and here is country b and they don't interact this is yep. the land of the horse riders and this is the land of the theocratic paladin people and you don't ever have people who are nomadic paladins mm -hmm. that doesn't happen except that does happen it happens all the time in real life right like we we intersect we interact and things cross over right it's not it's not like here's the hard line between you know the the worshipers of the you know this is also comes into things we were talking about pantheons um in a polytheistic religion you don't usually pick one god and that's your god um, but a lot of times with D&D, &D, we say like, oh, well, I worship Sunni. That's yeah. it. I just worship Sunni. Yep. Um, but this is my whole deal right here. I went <laughs> I all in on this one guy. <laughs> right. Like there's going to be like preferences. Sure. Um, but this is also, you know, I will get in loud arguments on the Internet about, you know, things like I everybody in Forgotten Realms worships Shar a little bit. Mm -hmm. Shar. Yeah, she's real bad, but she's the goddess of loss. She's the one yeah. you turn to when you are grieving. Mm -hmm. And the idea is you go, here's a little bit of worship. Now let me go. I want to go back to where I was. Um, I love how you look like you're feeding ducks. You just pull out a little bread. Yeah, yeah, they're little, little worship. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I think making sure that you don't like lock things into sort of discrete boxes also helps you get that crossover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, this this always comes back to that, um, well, some we were alluding to last night on writing about dragons and shit, available <gasps> wherever fine podcasts can be located, um, with the hunkiest <laughs> hosts in the world, most beautiful people. Um, <laughs> it's a shame, it's audio only. Um, <laughs> For now. The, uh, but it, yeah, I made that post about fantasy world building versus real world world building where we think we have to go through these huge elaborate gymnastics to name places and make things whereas there's i mean again mahi mahi is like a fish fish you know yeah. like i mean there's there's so many places that you're it, it's just like sioux falls because there's falls in the lakota sioux we're here it's sioux falls <laughs> you know like things don't have to be terribly complicated um and then um as we've brought up before, it, it always is weird to me with the uh, evil gods and goddesses, um, like Umberly and stuff. But we've talked about like you worship Umberly to appease Umberly. You're like Umberly, mm -hmm. please be cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> like like the, the the Jurassic World walking in with the clicker and the Velociraptors. You're like I'm dropping gold in the ocean, Umberly. I'm dropping gold in the ocean. <laughs> right? I mean, mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything's gonna be cool. Yeah. So yeah, there can be a, a lot of ways that your stuff interfaces. And you know, I think. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned is history can be a good framework, too. I mean, Game mm -hmm. of Thrones is basically the War of the Roses. Like, yep. most of Game of Thrones kind of actually happened. Sort of. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was a framework for it. So, you know, a lot of times if you're not sure, look at something like the Hundred Years' War or something of just, like, roughly what happened. Like, what were they fighting over? Who ultimately won? You know, and how that conflict wave. Um, I would also submit, contrary to popular opinion... Um, you know, Mordor doesn't necessarily have to lose. It depends on what story that you're telling, you know? Mm -hmm. Hey, I was there when the strength of men failed, okay? Isildur <laughs> had his chance. Yeah. Well, I, actually, I, I see actually right behind you, you have the Mistborn books. I do. And that that's and that's the that's the premise. Uh I, I, I worked at a Barnes and Noble. I know I know that box set like back of my hand. Uh, <laughs> I stuck a lot of them. Uh but no, like that's essentially what that one is, where like the premise was what if the bad guy won? And like mm -hmm. that's where we pick up is like, yeah, the bad guy won like a long time ago and has been ruling and you just gotta deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um and and I I I started a campaign once with that premise and it fell through and I was really sad because I Aww. I had I had a hundred percent went way too far on that where I was just like all right it's these ten evil people and they are the rulers and I'm gonna write all the backstory for all of them and everything and then we didn't even get to use it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean you know to to a certain extent obviously um, 
you know, if you if you're playing a hero, obviously, you know, you, you people expect good to prevail, you know, and, unless people know it's a tragedy. I mean, for the most part, in D and D, arguably most games, but in D and D in particular, you're usually playing the good guys. You don't have to, mm-hmm. but you usually are, and there's a presumption of success, you know. Yeah. Um. Each so I I would I would thread a line there between a D and D campaign and a narrative. Um, I mean, again, Black Dice Society, Ravenloft, you know, they lose a lot <laughs> yeah. and and have a lot of pirate victories where it's like we won, but at what cost? You know, because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that story. It's a horror story. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you have to uh, decide what, what it is that you're um, trying to do and trying to communicate. But, uh, yeah, OK, I'm done monologuing again. That's okay. That's OK. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually want to check in uh, with the, the viewers for a bit because we've actually gotten some pretty good questions that uh, I think we can talk about for also, wh- uh, the rest of the show. I don't know if Obo Lawrence and Chad, but Obo Lauren, we answered one of your questions on, on the podcast last night. Yeah, which was, yeah was, it was a very <laughs> interesting question. If you want to know what she asked, you got to listen to the recording. But it was, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually want to start with uh, uh, Nan Breadloaf's question. Any advice for getting players to anchor their characters? I have a bunch of players with no backstories, and and okay. I and I actually have one for this because <laughs> um, this happened in my in my Curse of Strahd game, um, where one of my players was like, "I I really like the idea of this character. I have no idea what their backstory is," and I essentially was like, "Hey." How about we work on something, but can I also have permission to, like, mess with that backstory a bit on my own? And they were like, yeah, sure. So we, we did. We sat down. We came up with uh, a backstory for their character, and uh, they were really happy with it. And then halfway th- through Curse of Strahd, I pulled a twist with the character and they were like, that w- that's freaking awesome. I love that. Um, so that that was by tying them, by working with them and then tying that backstory into the plot that we had going and making it an important part of their plan um, gave them that anchor. And they, they like, they've straight on, like, that's my favorite character I've played, like, in a long time. They've, they've taken that character and put them in other games as NPCs. They love them so much. Nice. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that that's my advice for it. This is similar to what I was, I'm inclined to say. I, there was a game I played in for a long time. And when I started, uh, it was a homebrew setting. I didn't totally understand the parameters of it. Um, and I was very busy. And I was like, I want to play a paladin. I would like to start out playing just a straight paladin. I would like to be challenged. And I'm going to be a half elf. And the DM came back to me and said, okay, um, well, there's this place that sort of is ruled by this god of order. So that would be a good place to be a paladin. And the elves all live on this island out here. So is it your mom or your dad? And, and are, you know, maybe they've gone back to this island, which is like, okay, yeah. So maybe my, uh, my dad's a crooked merchant and my mom is an elf who bailed. And I'm like trying to like reset my life by being this paladin. She's like, cool. Now the God of the crossroads is going to leave you a sword and it's going to do things, Mm -hmm. but you don't get to know until later. And so this buildup made one of, again, one of my favorite characters, um, because the DM was willing to go back and forth and also like take things she'd already done, but then also like help me bend, help, like bend things to the suggestions that I made. Like there was a back and forth there that let me find those things I wanted. It wasn't just, you know, oh, you know, your mom's from the Elf Island, so you want to go back to the Elf Island. Like, no, I want to have complicated feelings about going to the Elf Island because I don't feel like an elf. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that back and forth to help, like, help find the anchors that are going to be appealing, that you're going to want to turn towards story points about, yeah. I think are really important. Because um, it isn't just about like, where do I fit in the world? But how do I move through the world with these attachment mm. points? I, like I would submit that I would question why you want them to anchor it a lot. And what is it that you are trying to get out of it? Because this seems like one of those times that you need to make sure that you're playing the same game. Yes, um, that is also and, very true. Yeah, because for them, they're like... You know, I'm an orc assassin, man. You know what I mean? Where are you yeah. from? The East. I don't care. You know, like, <laughs> you know, that's like, give, you know, give them the far traveler back, back story and then roll with it, you know, and then other, and, and it can come out of the play that if, um, while they're playing, they're like, 
oh, I've been fighting a long time. Ooh, are you a veteran? You know, well, maybe you, what, were you a veteran from here, from there? You know, and, and again, let it emerge. So, yeah. I, I would be the snarky DM, though, that I was like, I come from the East. I don't care. I'd be like, all right, so there's this country called I don't care. Uh. <laughs> you know, another yeah. thing that yeah. can be sort of fun, it, I, I, it's, I find it imperfect, but I've played in games where the session zero was with a game of fiasco. Oh, and so love that fiasco. Is, it is a lot of fun. It's a storytelling game. So you will sort of either when it's your turn, decide how, uh, how a scene starts or you decide how a scene ends. And then the other people help mm -hmm. tell the story. Mm -hmm. um, and another thing is you'll, you use, you'll kind of roll randomly and then you'll choose things um, and you'll decide like, how do you connect to the person next to you? Um, and, and you can kind of build this. We actually did this for dungeon scrawlers and this is why Cecilia and Artemisia are sisters mm. because of a random dice roll. And we were like, yeah. Hey, actually, I like that. Let's go with that. That's um, cool. The, the only thing is the best games of fiasco I've played. There is no expectation of things being like stable at the end. Yeah. Whereas a session zero, there is a little bit of expectation of all of our players. All the characters are going to continue into the game. So mm -hmm. it gets a little stiff in a way that I'm like, oh, I did really like it when I could, you know, you know, be a murder ghost or something. <laughs> um, but it's fun. Um, and uh, what was it? I played Invisible Sun before, too. And it has a similar mm -hmm. thing where you're building each other's uh, houses uh, because your house is sort of an important aspect. And so they'll other people will sort of throw in things about your house and you can kind of shift them into a position to be something that. And your, and your neighborhood too. Like so, these these things, um, how you fit into the world is partly designed by um, the, by the party um, to sort of get to get to something that feels like it connects everybody together. Which is how we ended up hanging out in a haunted CrossFit gym. <laughs> you know, again, whomst among us has not ended up in a haunted CrossFit gym? I know you're all jealous. It was haunted by luchador ghosts. Oh, I mean, why'd you leave? Yeah, yeah, um, because we had to avenge them. Oh, oh no, that, that makes sense. I, 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 w I will say also what what these things are useful for, though, and what session zeros in general are, and relationship maps, and all of that. It saves you a bunch of narrative lift of the man in black in the tavern. And like, why yeah. are we going to figure this out? As I've said so many times, often this game is like, hey, strangers, want to go camping for six months and become gods? You know, yeah. and you're like, <laughs> that's what happens. And then especially if you've got the lawful, you know, the lawful good paladin and the chaotic neutral rogue and the rogue is like indiscriminately robbing and murdering people and the paladin would intervene. You know, you need some reason why these yeah. people coexist that yeah. gives them something. Um mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, dropping them in a shared meat grinder is, is, is as good a rationale as any. So, yeah. It's just, uh, I, I, I will also suggest looking at, I mean, it's not quite usable for D&D, &D, but it gives you a good idea of stuff. Uh, Monster of the Week has an absolutely amazing group building thing for session zero where it's literally just like okay uh if you have a uh, uh this type of character and this type of character and these are the options for how you know each other and like you have to everyone has to know someone somehow and it's it's yeah. a lot of fun i will also suggest checking out this is more for world building uh but there's a game called i think it's called one year uh, they used it on uh, the Adventure Zone for the most recent uh, series that they're doing. In fact, the first like five or seven episodes is them playing it and building the world they're now doing their game in. Huh. Uh, so I, I suggest that one as well. Uh, let's see. Um, let's. Uh, Rex Verde says uh, showing an RPG sets the memory more than telling. Uh, when a threat shows itself uh, as a threat through actions, it stinks. <laughs> Like I, 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 I don't know. I, I there, there's certain things that I feel like are good for Wait. showing and telling. Read that again. Yeah, I don't think I understand. Yeah, I got a little confused. I don't think I understand. When a threat shows itself as a threat through action, it stinks. I don't. Or no, it sticks. I. I'm sorry. Uh. I, haven't had, I haven't had enough. Yeah, it's not stinks. It sticks. Yeah. Ah, right. That and that and that is a hundred percent, hundred percent true. I did a horror one shot uh, it last year in my D and D game, and I did that by having them fight a really hard enemy, 
And they were like, man, we almost didn't get through that. And then another one showed up and just one hit the one they just fought. Oh, dear. And they were like, we got to go. <laughs> and that's, 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 the, that's the wrestling model of how you put over the big bad. But it yes. wrecks the previous big bad. You're like, oh, that's now the wharf effect. Yeah. That's, mm. This giant monster comes out. <laughs> How'd they see it? Did it have greater invisibility? Yeah. This is also kind of ties into a um, a thing about threats that uh, you can steal from books. I think it still applies. Is that death is like, oh, we might die is okay. Yeah, that's bad. But it's also a little abstracted. Like, yes. it's hard to kind of really feel it most of the time. Especially which when bizarre. you have that second character sheet sitting right there. Yeah, there's that too. If it's like, oh, right, the um, the entire Western Hemisphere will be wiped off the map. That feels a little more thing, but if it's, oh, your village where your sweet aunt still lives will be destroyed. You, mm-hmm. you gotta put, you a face to, put a face on the cost. Yeah, this, um, yeah. I, I tell you, uh, friends and neighbors one thing that never goes you never go wrong with is not you're gonna die he's gonna die you know what i mean like if you if you mess up trevor's screwed good luck Mm -hmm. that is when you see like because it doesn't matter whether or not trevor's got another character sheet you're like oh no yeah (laughs) alternately this is how you find out that your players actually hate that npc (laughs) (laughs) well you're like that's good to know too I had a player mm-hmm. once who uh, was very devil make uh, devil make care with their actions, uh, and long story short, uh, basically had a uh, cannonball assault happen on Baldur's Gate. And when I tell people about this, they're like, "So the city guard killed him?" I went, "No, they took him to court, and I made oh, him no. face all the things that he did." Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I killing him would teach him nothing. <laughs> Trial Saint of the James century. came in with. St. James came in and was his attorney. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so good. Uh, let's see. There's another one in here I wanted to to read. Um, oh, this is from, um, I think it's Charke151. Uh, uh, so then isn't it rather daunting if the DM isn't a local lore master? The anxiety of not knowing enough might in- inhibit a D&D group from uh, forming. No, yeah, this, no. this, this again. So this is honestly true. If you, if those of you that were back with us in in the beginning, in the halcyon days of last October <laughs> when we started this show, <laughs> the initial opening was Trevor would say all the D and D lore that you have to know, and both Aaron and I were like, "But you don't, though." Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why, why I changed it. To that's fun. why we changed it to fun to know. You really don't. It's like, yeah. look, man, it works how it works in your village. Like, here's some elves, here's some dwarves, here's some orcs. We're going to go. There's a dungeon under that mountain because I said it is, you know, and have some fun. uh, When I was running fourth edition back in the day, uh, I had, had, you know, (laughs) I had world built my own thing and whatnot. And I just kind of put whatever I want from D&D in it. And there was there was one. Uh, time that we had some friends over and they made, you know, uh, their own characters that were just going to be in that one session. And the group was on a, a boat going through kind of this glacial valley. And all of a sudden off the off the cliffs of the glaciers, like these drow pirates jumped down and started fighting them on the boat and whatnot. And um, one, one of the people that was there that was guessing was just like, but didn't you say it's daytime? And I was like, yeah, they're like, drought, drought don't go out in the day. I went, these do, I don't care. <laughs> they, they got big floppy Something hats. serious here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Think... I was just like, I don't really care. Like, it's, it looks they, cool. They, they they got the Jarlaxle big hats and exposed midriff. <laughs> you know? Rainbow capes. That's it. If it brings your, you joy as a DM to like read all the deep lore yeah. and stick to it and that makes you feel comfortable and ready to like present a cool story no one's saying don't do that yeah. but do not feel like you have to do Absolutely it because not. yeah there is a like there, there's so much even if you even if you absorbed all the lore that has been written about forgotten realms in the entirety of its existence your players still might go but what's over there and, and guess what nobody wrote to. about that they're yeah. going, they're going to. <laughs> like the odds yeah. are excellent. Well, I, I would a few things. One, I would say, even as somebody that knows a thing or two about the lore, I could justify a daytime drow raid if what was on the boat was worth the risk. You mm-hmm. know, if they're like, if the boat's here now and we want it, 
we got to come out and do what we do. You know, mm-hmm. like we, the, the boat's not going to be here at midnight. The boat's here now. So, and that also just yeah. shows you that what's on that boat is really valuable. Yep, exactly. Right? That shows you the drought are really serious. Like, yeah, guys. yeah. So that's actually mm-hmm. a win. Um, I was going. A friend of mine um, is is setting up um, a new a new campaign, and and they're they're a new storyteller that are going to be running a game for some very experienced uh, players and storytellers. And I I told them th- this same thing that I was like, set it outside the major area. Then, like, if you're mm-hmm. worried that you don't know everything about Sharn and Eberron, don't put the story in Sharn and Eberron. You know, it's yep. like we're on the frontier. Where the far frontier? Oh, okay. You know what I mean? In action. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, and I also told this same friend, I was like, plan, because they were like, how do I plan? And I was like, I will help you with that. But understand 50 to 75% of what you plan will not happen. Um, oh, yeah. All the way back to the example, I, I will, I'll give you two personal examples. Uh, season two of A Darkened Wish, the, them dealing with the mind flayers inside Skullport was supposed to be three episodes. It ended up being the entire season because, interesting stuff kept happening and no mm-hmm. no one else knew my plan no one else knew it was supposed to yep. be three episodes so we just followed through where it went and um la by night same thing the la by night was supposed to be a vastly different story and in episode one we were like, you know, like <laughs> guess we're going that way yeah like, it was a vastly different story but when we actually started doing it we were like oh that's no longer the story. It's now this thing. And that happens pretty much all the time. The only thing you can control is your inciting incident. Yep. Uh, all right. I'm going to uh, pose this last question. Then we'll start wrapping up for the year. Uh, Rex Verde comes back and says, question. How do you handle lore that the player knows, but that the character doesn't uh, flip it and reverse it uh, w- uh, where it is possible or just roll with it? Um I li- uh, spe- no no Sorry. please no please you you, you. speaking as someone who frequently uh, is in this situation um, I feel like this is on the player to sort of embrace it like yep. play your character yep um, and that can be difficult sometimes when you're like okay but I know that this thing is immune to poison yep. and all of my spells are poison spells like. You know, this is an opportunity for some fun role play. Also, mm-hmm. you hit it with the poison spell and nothing happens. You figured it out. Yep. Like a lot of the times the things that you might know um, that are sort of in the monster manual, like, oh, this has legendary resistances, right? You can still sort of make the suboptimal choice and discover the thing um, fairly quickly mm-hmm. and and find a way to f- have fun with that that isn't... <laughs> You know, just I hit it really hard, which yeah. is satisfying. But um, yeah, I think you just have to sort of split it and split your brain a little and be like, okay, Cecilia knows this and Aaron knows this. So I have to lean on this part. Um, mm-hmm. But then, I mean, there's also times when like, does it matter? Does it matter if I don't use the poison spell and I choose the ice spell because I know the poison spell is not going to work? I might have done that anyway. Um, if it's something more like, oh, I know if we go talk to you know, the Cromark that they're possessed by um, that by a mind flare. They're going through ceramorphosis. I can't say that word. Um, (laughs) But uh, my character doesn't know it, right? Like, just go and, like, play through that and find it out. It's okay, right? Like, separating those things is sort of just part of, like, engaging with the story. Mm-hmm. metagaming is an issue i run into this a lot especially in high stakes situations where people are like yeah. i know they've got le- three legendary actions i'm like but you your character doesn't yeah. they don't um yeah. what, I, what i'll come down because more than once i've had to be like your your character doesn't know that and i will say it straight up but what i will always do is i will always allow for a history role because yep. maybe mm-hmm. you heard it somewhere yeah. along the way yep. you know like maybe and- you've never seen a troll ever but, you know, your drinking buddy told you, like, they regenerate and you got to hit them with acid. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I will always dangle that that carrot. But it's uh, I, a... Yeah. I have had that exact role. Where, yep. Like, we encountered some trolls and I was like, balls, like, I know what we got to do. My character does it. So, like, yep. Can I please make an arcana check or a yep. history check? Yep. And I did and it worked. And so then it's like, okay, how do you know this? And so then you can spin, like, this story and be like, oh, like, oh, my God, I just remembered something that 
my teacher said to me when I was eight about don't go out in the forest because trolls and you don't know any fire spells, mm-hmm. right? Or something like you can add a little more texture to the world through that. Um, no, I like the rolls. That's a good idea. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Trevor. Well, with uh, with my like when I'm a player, if I there's something that comes up that I know about um, when it comes to the character, if I have something in my backstory that I know is in the backstory and has has an effect on the character, I'll let the DM know like, hey, my my dudes totally fought trolls before. My neighbors um, were trolls growing up. Yeah, yeah, so, something like that. Like, and and see if that's chill with them. Uh, but I'll usually ask. Can I do a roll to see if I know about this? But then there's been other times, and actually these are kind of more often than the other ones, where I'm just like, oh, no, they 100% don't know what this is. I'm not even going to make a roll. They do not know this. I'm terrified. They're not, because they are not. They don't know. They're dumb. Well, that's, that's also, yeah, you got that, um, um, you know, that that meme of, of Lando and Darth Vader. You know, it's like when the metagaming character says that's not how it works, you're like, I've altered the stat block. Pray I do not alter it further. <laughs> you know? You're like you're like, guess what? Dis- that's true. Dis- you know, the, the squirrels in this world have machine gun tails. I I am gonna, gonna say this this last story real quick because it, it is applicable to this and it goes back to my fourth vision game that I brought up. <laughs> One of our players was was very much like not like did not do a lot of nerdy stuff or anything like that. Kind of got into D&D just because he was like curious about it and whatnot. Really loved it. But we, I had trolls show up one time. And um, I described the, the, the wounds rehealing on the next turn. And this dude goes, oh, well, we should hit it with fire or poison. And I'm like, What? And, and he was he was like, oh, yeah, it's just like this old game I used to play when I was a kid, uh, Baldur's Gate. And I'm just like, dude, that's a D&D game. You've been <laughs> one of like, us oh. this entire time. Yeah. He's like, I'm, oh, I know this stuff. Then I, I was just like, I was like, you know what? No rule. You know that. You're good. I, I will Go also say yeah, exactly. You win. Uh, one yep. last thing. So I know we're trying to wrap it up, too. Mm-hmm. You can circumvent a lot of this by especially in a horror game. This works really great in a horror game. You can do it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Don't call it a troll. Yeah. Just you see a seven foot green hulking monstrosity with long tusks and, uh, you know, sharp claws, roll initiative, yeah. you know, and they were like, huh, what? And then as you're fighting it, you, you the slashes start to close up again, you know, and then you're like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, and then they're like, is it a troll? You're like, don't know. Don't know. Did it I? didn't introduce itself. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So. You guys started swinging swords before. That's, you that that hi. that is just a great way to ratchet up tension. Period. By the way, like yeah. the most because com- if you're just like gelatinous cube, people are like, oh, okay. But if you're like, you can't see it, but your flesh is burning. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. what? You're like, the air is burning. It feels kind of gooey and sticky. You're like, what? You can't breathe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, it's coming towards you. What? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's good. I love that. Mm-hmm. My pre-workout right, well, started to kick in. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, all right. Well, that is all the time that we've got for Laura today. Aaron, B. Dave, where can people find you? What awesome things you're working on? You can find me on Twitter at Aaron M. Evans. Uh, you can catch me on our podcast, Writing About Dragons and Shit. Uh, yeah. New episode available today, later today. It's uh, wherever. Up. Oh, it is. Okay. Yep. Wow. You're fast, Trevor. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, last episode of the year available wherever you download your podcasts. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Dungeon Scrawlers uh, on uh, twitch.tv slash Dungeon Scrawlers at 6.30 p.m. tonight. Uh, we are doing a it's kind of a silly holiday episode with a Yankee swap or whatever you call it. And I'm calling it Rusalka's coin purse. That's what we play in Rashomon. <laughs> There's at least two things you didn't think to mention, ma'am. I didn't mention concentration check because I don't know if I'm going to do it. But Mondays, uh, usually anyway, I do concentration check at co-writing show uh, at 1.30 p.m. Pacific, uh, which is a show up and work on your project with me. Um, but... I'm still deciding if I'm going to take the two weeks off from that because I also have to work on a book. But um, And then I guess the book is the other thing, but I'm like, oh. you can't pre-order it yet. But coming soon, coming soon, fall 2022, my new book, uh, Empire of Exiles from Orbit, is uh, is going to be real. Sorry it's happening. <laughs> uh, uh, 
again, uh, TV's B. Dave Walters. You can catch me Fridays on G4 at 3 p.m. Pacific on uh, G G4 Twitch and YouTube for Invitation to Party and on television Mondays at 3 uh, for Invitation to Party there. Uh, also, tomorrow night, we have the holiday episode of the Black Dice Society at 4 p.m. Pacific on D&D Twitch and YouTube um, and a bunch of other stuff. You can find me all over the interwebs wherever fine streaming content can be located. Just follow me at B. Dave Walters um, and make sure you pre-order Aaron's book as soon as you can. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you can find me and uh, the way too many podcasts that I do on my Twitter account at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be it for this year. Uh, thank you to Jay uh, for moderating the chat and doing a fantastic job as always. Thank you to Coding Entertainment for uh, letting us have some fun, talk about some D&D. Uh, if you missed any part of this show, you can catch it later today as a podcast on your favorite podcast service. And if there's any topics about D&D &D and Idol Champions that you'd like us to talk about next year, you can send in those suggestions to Champions of Lore at Codename Entertainment dot com i know uh, i know we're finishing uh, up i just have can i just uh, say one thing yeah, yeah 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 hey thank you all for tuning in thank you for taking yeah, this journey yeah. with us enjoy your holidays with your family and play some games this is a great time for it you know roll some dice and make some memories yeah hell yes yeah. hmm. love it yes uh but uh yes uh later today uh we've got mars guiding hand again uh at 1 p.m and then we've got sketching hour at 3 p.m so be sure to come back and check those out and have some fun uh but that is gonna do it for this week and this year of episodes so until 2022 champions out <laughs> <laughs>